in reflecting God's character. That's, that's really the, uh, I guess, the theme in being a disciple is we follow him. And if we follow him, we should learn to imitate him, not play like we're him, but imitate his, uh, his character, his actions, uh, the way he handled himself. We want to handle ourselves, and, and so he said, except you take up your cross and follow me, you know, that we can't even be his disciples. So, so in other words, we're going to mirror the, the life of Christ. Paul's desire for the church and one group that he prayed for was that uh, Christ be formed in them. And so we know that if he's formed in us, then it's going to portray outwardly. And so we must work on getting that character right, that mental, having the mind of Christ. And, and so uh, we can portray him in this world. Today we're going to talk about patient endurance people's two favorite words humans have loved the word patience don't we and, and endurance it just that sounds like oh I need a shot for that I don't know what that is patient endurance but if we are going to let others see Jesus through us we have to exercise patient endurance praise God two verses of scripture this morning you know what I'm getting ahead of myself before I read our scripture, let's stand together and just lift our hands and thank the Lord for being here today. Oh, people would change places with you in a minute. I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord. We love you this morning, God. We praise you today. Thank you for all that you've given us, for the benefits you load us with daily. What a privilege to be in your house once again, God. We love you so much. You're worthy of all the praise and the honor and the glory. There is no God beside you. We love you today. We want to be just like you, Lord. We want to follow you and learn your ways. We bless your name today, Lord. Give him a hand clap and shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mighty God. Mighty God. Praise God. Well, now while you're standing, two verses of Scripture as we begin to talk about patient endurance. James chapter 5. How many brought their Bibles today? Anybody jump on that Bible challenge, bring your Bible today? We'll do that again next week. That's awesome. I love to see people carrying that scripture. And if you have it on your tablet or your phone, that's, that's quite all right. We just Sometimes it's good to go back to the old path. Bring that, bring that Bible with you. So James 5 and verses 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore. I would think of a couple of two irritating words if somebody looks at you and say, just be patient. <sighs> Got to learn it, don't we? Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, thank you today for the instruction of your word, for the faith it brings, the encouragement, for the knowledge and wisdom. Let it find good ground in our hearts today that we can be more like you. We ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. 
Thankful for the Word of God. Hallelujah. Thankful for the Word of God. So we want to exercise patience, endurance. The, the author, the guy who put this lesson together, he was talking about, he tells a story, and some of it is just long, and I'm going to cut to the part that deals more with the lesson. Um, but his grandfather was uh, the first oneness Pentecostal preacher in his family and a church that he was pastoring uh, a lady came to him one day and said pastor I need you to pray for me that God will give me patience he said his grandfather put his hand on her head and started praying Lord I pray that you would send tribulation to this woman he said she jumped out from under his hand and said no pastor I don't want uh, tribulation he said, but sister, this word tells us that tribulation works patience. And so, um, you know, patience is not just something that uh, this generation of people that serve the Lord have had to learn about or have even been taught about. When you read in the scripture, you'll see that there are many, many scriptures dealing with patience. And uh, even uh, they would often refer to, you know, we... Probably one of the most referred to figures in Scripture is Job because we all go through things. And so we bring up Job uh, as an example. And even one writer in the New Testament said, uh, you have heard of the patience of Job. And so one thing that we know was going on in Job's life was tribulation. But uh, wherever tribulation is, patience should be there also. Uh, there's probably not anything that motivates you to move faster or pray more or do all kind of things than tribulation. But in that, we must learn to have patience and never get ahead of God. Never, make, never do the things that um, put us out in front of where God wants us to be. We want to be following Him and waiting on Him. Uh, James also said this in his writings in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, he said, but let patience have her perfect work. I've always uh, looked at this and noticed that he refers to patience as a her uh, in that female gender, and maybe it's because uh, just like a woman uh, can produce uh, new life, so patience can produce also. I believe that... Uh, when we are patient and wait on the Lord. So we let patience have her perfect work that you can be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, what he's telling me here is that if I am too anxious and I jump the gun uh, and I start trying to put together my life the way I think it should go and I outrun God and I'm not waiting for him, that it will always be lacking. But if I let patience have her perfect work then or her complete work, don't, you know, people say, well, I've been waiting five minutes. You know, you taste, you know, that's how we are. You go, you know, you know how it is when you go to the doctor's office or something like that and they, your appointment is at 11 where well, you're there at like 10 to 11 and then they don't see you till 1130. And so, you know, you're like, but my appointment was there. And you're pa by the time 1130 gets there, you're patient. It's then you try to do things to help your patients. You flip through magazines, you look at your phone, you get up and walk around. You're trying to, hoping somebody will realize your frustration and get you on in there. But you have to be patient because uh, 
He's not going to see you till he's ready to see you. That's just how it is. One thing about patience is that if we practice patience, people do not see us losing our mind. And that's a big uh, plus for us as we try to witness for the Lord. Uh, if we practice patience, we don't let uh, patience will help keep your anger level down, keep your stress level down, your anxiety down. Your, uh, it'll, if you learn to practice patience, it keeps you from sh- shooting off at the mouth. We talked about that last week. And uh, so patience will have a perfect work, and it'll be good for you. It'll be good for whoever sees you when you learn to have patience, and you'll realize that uh, you know, good things come to them who wait. I, I'm not going to say that's Scripture, but I'm just going to tell you that you, if God's got something for you, the, even one place it talks about the vision is for an appointed time. There are things that uh, are coming, but you're going to wait. Uh, when he, they prophesied about the Savior in the Old Testament, years, hundreds of years before that came to pass, but it came to pass, patience. Uh, and you can either decide, I'm going to believe this and wait for this, or I'm going to do my own thing. But when we start doing our own thing, we get out of the way of the Lord. And so I want to make sure that I am practicing Patience, you know, uh, you ought to start practicing that at home. Just tell your kids, be patient. We tell them that anyway, or we did when we were little. Or tell your spouse, hey, be patient. (laughs) We'll have a lot of marriage counseling going on. I'm just trying to help you, honey, so you'll have a perfect work in your life. Pull the scripture on them, man, you know. Let them see. But get used to that, honey. Just have patience. I'm not trying to be ugly or be no way or, or throw gas on the fire. I'm just trying to help you see that patience will have her perfect work and you will be, uh, won't be lacking anything. You'll be just right. Everything's going to be okay. Just have a little patience. Mm, have a little patience. So uh, in... Uh, our opening scripture, he, he makes these statements of that we should be patient, uh, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. That tells me that there's going to be something to try me as I am waiting for the Lord to appear. Something is going to try to stop me, hinder me. We talked about the coming of the Lord last week, and so this just is a good uh, maybe reminder and help us to not forget what we we're so moved on about last week about there is a thief in the night coming. He said, you need to be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Something in this world will try to deceive you. Uh, you've held on to your faith and you've walked upright, but now something is trying to move you and, and say, no, just do this or do that or, or let go of this or let go of that. And, and, but we can't do that. We've got to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Hold on to your faith. Uh, keep that faith. Don't let anything pull you away. And we're going to uh, get onto that a little bit further. But then he says, he gives an example that the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. In other words, this man that has planted a vineyard or a garden, whatever you or crops, whatever it is, he is waiting uh, for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it. Anybody who farms or grows crops knows that 
You don't plant today and reap tomorrow. That there for a while you're going to be looking at bare earth. And then you're going to see the buds and the vines. And, and even when they come up, you still don't see the fruit yet. And he said he's going to need the, uh, the former rain and the latter rain uh, to come. In other words, the rain that comes in the spring and the rain that comes in the fall. Uh, before he's going to have that harvest. And he realizes that I can't go out there and start pulling things off before it's ready. I can't go out there and start picking the fruit or trying to harvest the fruit before it's ready to go. I've got to wait. I know I need to to eat. I know I need to pay bills. I know I need to, to meet my obligations. But I can't go before it's ready. If I do, I won't get everything that I should get. I may, just, I may get a little bit. There may be some that's ready, but it just won't be right. And every time we jump ahead of God like that, we might get a little blessing and a little tingling in our life, but we just don't get that perfect harvest. We need to have patience waiting on the Lord. He says, uh, then he, he says, so be you also patient. Remember, you're just like this guy. You've sown, you've, you've planted seed, you've, you've watered. Man, you're waiting on God to do something. But he said, be patient. If you gave it to God, it's coming. If you prayed about it and handed it over to the Lord, God is going to do something. But don't outrun the Lord. If you are praying about things in your life, hey, you'll learn that in ministry to be patient. If you don't, you're going to be frustrated and aggravated and and your ministry is never going to reach its full potential because you're always uh, opening a door that God's not ready to open yet. We had the same uh, situations as we came into, we knew that pastoring was on the horizon. uh, There was no way around it. I knew that was coming. And so I was trying to navigate through that time with my family, my wife and children because I had to consider everything that was going on. and, And so... All the while, we were getting offers to, hey, come here and pastor here. Come here and work with us and then take the church and, and come here and do this and, or stay here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let your wife do this part in the church and I want you to do this. We, we just had offers left and right, left and right, and, and every one of them would have been good. You know, one of them would have kept us from leaving the town that we had grown up in and, and my kids with all the friends that they had known there. You know, so we thought, oh, that would be good, but... Uh, then another guy had a church paid for. Come on, and, and you know, no debt, no nothing. Just come on and work with the church. It'll be, it's already established. It's been going. One guy, hey, we're going to give you a house to live in. You know, everything was just like, man, that's a great offer. That's a great offer. And so many times I'd be just tempted, you know, because I thought I know that pastoring is on the horizon. But every time, just like the Holy Ghost would say, hang on now, just hold on. And I'd be about to make a decision and it seemed like God would send somebody into my life in a service somewhere to come up and pray for me and say, the Lord wants you to know that your time is coming, but not yet. And I would just pull back and I'd be like, okay, Lord. And we waited until this door opened. And when this door opened, uh, it was uh, confirmed uh, not just in my spirit from the Lord, but people who didn't even live in this state that we had praying called us. Uh, the very night we were talking about it, I'm, I mean, the very instant we were talking about it, God let my phone ring, and this man of God uh, called to tell me exactly what God had already put in my heart. And so, uh, you know, we knew that the door was now open. And it, don't get me wrong, it was hard sometimes waiting because I felt like stuck. I was worried I would miss the, the right opportunity. But we have to have patience 
uh, so it will be the perfect place, the perfect work. Uh, if we had not, I don't know where we would be today. I don't know where some of you might be today. And that's not saying that you're saved and sanctified because we're alive. I'm just saying, I, would there even be a church here? And if there was no church here, would there be a campus ministry here? Would, what, what all would be missing today if this church was not here? So I am thankful. And so be you also patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I, in other words, I want to be found doing what I should be doing when the Lord comes. And this is what I should be doing when the Lord comes. And so I'm thankful today that as we look for the coming of the Lord, that he has given us something that will help us. And it's really not as hard to achieve as you think if you are doing everything else. Do you know that patience will just fall right in there? Because we jump over patience a lot of times because we, we don't even realize it. Man, I'm going through it. Pray for me. Man, I'm in the middle of the hardest trial of my life. Pray for me. We start praying. We start fasting. We get through it. We don't even realize that patience has been added to us because we're all we're scared to death to pray for patience. So we just pray, God, get me through this trial. And we declare it. God's going to deliver me. God's going to bring me out. Well, guess what? If he brings you out of tribulation, patience is coming right along with you. You're, you're going to have that. So it's not as hard to activate and use patience as you think because it comes along with it. Tribulation worketh patience. That's it. Now, don't cut patience off. Use what God's gave you. Well, oh, use what the Lord's gave you. Use that anointing. Call that name. How about use that patience? <laughs> yeah. How about just use that patience? Because that is as essential as anything else. Well, I'm anointed. There's a lot of anointed people that ain't patient. God and anoint some folks and they get it. Boy, they just, they take off and their zeal outruns their knowledge. Woo, and it ain't nothing worse than somebody running that kind of race jumps up behind a pulpit or gets a microphone in their hand. Yee. So uh, that's, why, that's why we don't have open mic night at the, at the church anymore because some folks, uh, their mind can't handle the, that. It's just, I don't know what happens. It just shorts that brain out. But somehow, the, somehow their mouth keeps working. And so uh, very careful about, about that patience. But one thing we need to know is that the Lord is coming. And uh, I think that if we're going to make it, if we're going to be ready, it will be because we have patiently endured. And that this world has seen us patiently endure. When they see us not bail out in the middle of hard times and trials, when we have just horrible things happen in our life and we keep praising God and serving God, uh, we do have the patience of Job. That's why Job could answer like he did when his wife, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. I'm patient. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, we're going to receive good at the hand of the Lord and have not have bad things happen in our life. I'm, God's going to come through. He even mentions later that he knows that in his own flesh uh, he's going to see God and not another. He knows that one day there's coming a time when he'll meet up with the Lord and, 
it's very important that I stay patient and endure and hold on to my integrity. Uh, there is, in this talking of patience, as we get ready for the coming of the Lord, there's a, a parable that the Lord spoke concerning ten virgins. And these, uh, there are five wise and five foolish. And we know in Matthew 24 and 25 that Jesus is telling his disciples about when his return would happen, and, or not the exact time, but how things would be, things they could look for, signs that they could see. And he said, watch in Matthew 24 and 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And then in verse 44, he said, therefore be you also ready, for such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. And then in Matthew 25 and 13, again, he repeats, watch Therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So um, when we talk about uh, this, these ten virgins, five wise and five foolish, we know that it was to do with marriage. But marriage customs among the Jews a lot different than marriage is here in the United States, especially in this day and hour. Um, that uh, being patient back then was a, a must if you were going to be married, because uh, it, they had marriage celebrations that could last as long as a week before the wedding even gets there. Um, the groom would make a marriage contract with the girl's father. Now, today we think that the most important part of, well, you know, especially at the beginning of marriage is the, the engagement, you know, that proposal, that engagement. But in uh, that's the first step here, but in ancient times, in Jew, the Jewish times, a young man's uh, betrothal, if that's the right way to say that, betrothal, um, it was even more binding than a proposal because his parents could have picked his wife out years ago when they were both kids. They arranged. Sometimes he would have a say in that, but a lot of times it was the parents that said, you know We've got family, and, you know, there was a lot of cousins getting married back then in them days, so I guess that's one good thing but, uh, uh, that we have going for us, but uh, a lot of cousins getting married, but hopefully. Um, but it would be, you know, somebody that was part of their tribe, part of their family. And so this man or woman knows for years in advance who they're going to marry, and that is coming. And so uh, patience. And sometimes maybe they really liked each other. And so it was even a little harder because, hey, I really like this person. I, I'm ready to get married. You can't, you're 10. You got to wait. You know, you know so, uh, you know, however old they were, but they had to have uh, this kind of patience. And so uh, after it was getting closer to the time, they were, they would be gifts that were given uh Three gifts commonly were exchanged. First was the, the mohar, which was a compensation gift from the bridegroom to the family of the bride, and it sealed the covenant and bound the two families together. Secondly, there was a, dower, a dowry, which was a gift to the bride or the groom from her father. And third was the bridegroom's gift to the bride. And then the groom would actually go home, and he may stay as long as a year preparing a place for his bride. So she's just sitting at home waiting. You know, I don't know that no email, no texting back then. 
hundreds of miles away. You're just waiting patiently for the bridegroom to be done. Sounds like Jesus in John 14, I've gone away to prepare a place for you that where I am you can be also. He's talking about his return. He's saying, but you'll be patient and you're going to patiently endure while I've gone away. I'm coming back to get you. If it were not so, I would have told you. So he said, "There's a for those that are my bride, there is a, a binding contract. There's a, you know, it's my word. Number one, he can't lie. It's impossible. Plus, we've been blood-bought and purchased. We're his. We're his bride. And so this is where we see, uh, talking about the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. And so there's a period of time between the betrothal and the marriage, and that's the part of this parable that we're talking about. It says, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Not a thing wrong with sleeping. They both, wise and unwise, they all slept because there was a period of time. Surely there would be time for them to sleep. There's not anything wrong with them uh, going to sleep. That was to be expected. And so everybody was sleeping the typical time period between uh, the betrothal and the arrival of the bridegroom would, to claim his bride would certainly require sleep. The wisdom of the five virgins is seen in their decision to take oil in, extra oil in case their lamps burned out before the bridegroom arrived. The foolish virgins assumed that no extra oil would be needed. And, and it doesn't matter. We've, talked, we've preached every kind of message there is about what the oil represents. But the whole thing boils down to is that what he said in Matthew 25 and 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And so the wise virgins were prepared to patiently endure. The foolish ones were not. The lack of preparation indicates a lack of patience. They didn't want to spend a long time. They said, I'm going to wait as long as one lamp of oil is going to take. But what we've got to do is understand that we don't know when he's coming. So whatever I've got to do, I do know this, is that if there ain't no oil in the lamp, the light ain't shining. And we're the light of the world. So we better be making sure that we're doing whatever it takes to keep the light on. And that light better be shining when the Lord comes back. And so don't uh, say, well, man, I've been, you know, I jumped into this thing because I, I, I wanted to be saved. I want to go to heaven. And that's been 20 years already. And the Lord ain't come back. And so, you know, I think I'm just going to take a little time off. I start seeing things get bad. Maybe I'll, I'll run back to the Lord. Well, that's what they did. When they heard the sound, hey, the bridegroom's coming. Hey, we don't have no oil. We're going to have to go buy some. But before they could go buy and get back, the door was opened and closed. And they got caught on the wrong side of the door. And the only thing they hear is, I don't know who you are. The ones that I called are going to be patiently enduring. They're going to be waiting. So their, their, their foolishness was in the fact that they were not ready to be patient, to wait, to endure, to understand that maybe it's going to take longer than one lamp of oil will last. I should have brought some extra, but I, I'm so ready to go. Now, the groom, he shows back up, and he's ready to consummate the marriage. Uh, five are wise, five are foolish. He only finds five that are still outside the door. The ten virgins functioned in a role that was similar to bridesmaids. They are not the bride. They're bridesmaids. He was not going to have 
ten wives. These were the bridesmaids, just like the bridegroom has his groomsmen, and he has the friend of the, of the bridegroom. We read about him in the Scripture a lot of times, the friend of the bridegroom. Uh, the bridegroom would bring these uh, bridesmaids to be companions to all of his uh, groomsmen, so to speak. And so a lot of times people have read this as these ten virgins were going to be the bride, but they're not the bride. They're the bridesmaids. And so the, the friend of the bridegroom, he's like the, the best man in the wedding. And so we want to uh, make sure we know, number one, who the bridegroom is. Well, that's Jesus. Don't you believe that? John the Baptist said that. Um, that uh, he said in John 3, 27 and 30, people were talking to John and said, look, the one that you baptize, he's baptizing and everybody's going to him. What do you think about that? And John said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus is the, the bridegroom and uh, not the, he's not the friend of the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom. Jesus said it of himself when John's disciples said, Why are your disciples not fasting, but John's disciples are fasting? He said, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. To, uh, in this same chapter, to make his point, Jesus begins to talk about you don't take a new piece of cloth that has uh, it's not been shrunken yet, and sew it into a garment because once it gets wet, it will shrink and it'll rip the garment and tear it and make it worse. Or you don't put new wine into old wine skins or it, they're going to burst. This illustrates the difference between the old covenant and new covenant fasting. Before the coming of Christ, fasting was associated with mourning. In the era of the church, fasting is practiced when seeking divine direction, which we see in the book of Acts, different places, now they're fasting, they're looking for direction. So now that we know who the bridegroom is, we need to know who the bride is. The church is the bride. If Jesus is the bridegroom, then we are certainly the church and we are his bride. And that's what Paul said about us in uh, Ephesians 5 when he was talking about husbands and wives. He said, this is a great mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. He was referring to them as husband and wife. You've always heard me say that, that what Paul is saying there, that the church in Christ are a mirror image of husband and wife in this life. And so um, that's in Ephesians 5. But in 2 Corinthians 11 and 2, Paul said, I, I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So uh, if we are just like the song says, like a bride waiting for her groom. We've got to wait patiently. We've got to make sure that we're not uh, letting things of this world pull us aside and, and detour us and get us off of living our life for God. We've got to live our life for the Lord. In uh, Hebrews chapter 10, in 35 through 37, the writer said this concerning the same thing, "'Cast not away therefore your confidence,' which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. 
that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The, so we could jump all the way to this verse and understand that when Jesus is ready to come, he's not holding up. He's not going to tarry. He's not going to uh, start and then say, well, I better hang on a minute because such and such don't have oil in the lamp. He said, just a little while, he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. He knows that when this time shows up, we've all had plenty of time to be ready. And so we must be patient. After we have done the will of God, he said, uh, then you're going to receive the promise. So after I have done what God has asked me to do, well, what's the will of God in this life? I know it's not his will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Once I have repented of my sins, been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, filled with the Holy Ghost, once I've been born again, and now I am walking and following him and serving him, I've got got to have patience. He said, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God. So just because we've been born again doesn't mean we get to make the rules. Doesn't mean we get to run at our own speed. You've got to follow him. And so that's the only way you get the reward because you can outrun him and just completely miss what God really had for you. And you can completely miss the coming of the Lord because you lacked patience or you didn't use your patience. I know Brother Everhart said one time said, uh, that Sister Everhart told him said he, he needed more patience. He said, I don't know why. I said, the ones I got, my patience is just like new. I never use them. And he was just making a joke. You know, he said, a lot of patience people, their patience is just like brand new because they never use them. Well, uh, but he was a very patient man. And uh, you don't pastor 47 years, 48 years without being patient. And, uh, you know, he was, he was a good man and, and a good example of that. Uh, he knew that things were planted and then there was a season of growth before you harvested. And uh, he taught us that uh, in the life he lived and through the word as he would preach as well. But this is what this man is saying in Hebrews that don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away the things that have got you where you are because that's where your reward lies. You have need of patience after you've done the will of God that you might receive the promise because Jesus is coming back. Paul wrote to us in Romans 12 and 12 that we should rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. So you don't, a lot of times people think being patient is just sitting around waiting and doing nothing. Mm -mm. You keep praying. You keep seeking, you keep worshiping, you keep, do, you keep doing everything. When a man uh, plants a field and he's using that patience while he's waiting on it to grow, he doesn't just sit around and do nothing. He doesn't just, oh, no, he, he, there's things to do to make sure that nothing comes in and destroys the field. He, he makes sure that he's keeping, you know, predators out or, or animals that would dig up or or. You know, there's one place that talks about an enemy came in and sowed seed also. So he's watching to make sure nobody's coming to sow the wrong kind of seed in his field. He, he, he's keeping a good eye on things, make sure everything's all right. And even as it starts growing, you know, uh, you see farmers today, I don't, I don't know how they did things back then, and I don't know if the weather ever got like that, but if it's going to be the temperature's changing something, they'll cover those plants, they'll make sure everything's, because they've got to make sure that everything's going to be all right when it is harvest time. But that's a while off. Patience. Yeah. 
Patience will help you keep working. It'll, it'll help you keep worshiping. Patience will keep you praying, keep you living right, acting right, even though you don't have what you've prayed for yet. You know, Jesus taught a parable, said that men ought to always pray and not to faint. And he began to talk about that, that woman who just kept on and kept on and kept on uh, pestering that king. She didn't have her answer, but it didn't stop her from coming before him. I'm going to keep on, I'm going to keep on, I'm going to keep on. I, I've got to keep doing that. I don't have my answer yet, but I, I'm, I'll show up every day if I have to, but I'm going to keep crying out to him until I get my answer. And so uh, we wait patiently on the Lord. Remember, uh, Luke said this, uh, or the Lord said this in Luke 21 and 19, in your patience possess ye your soul. You know what lives forever? The soul of men. That soul, God came to save our soul, to cleanse our soul. And, and in my patience, I don't want to throw my soul away. I don't want to lose a grip on my soul because I lost my patience. I was short on patience. I wouldn't wait on God. And, and find, now I find myself in a place I don't want to be. When the scripture talks about people walking away and a great falling away, I'm convinced that it was a big part of that is because people lacked patience. Because sometimes people, they just can't wait for an answer. They just can't wait. Just jump the gun. You know, just, uh, you know, anything I, I, I have learned during deer hunting is this, is that if you don't have any patience, just don't go. Because if you've ever sat for about seven, eight hours and not seen a thing, I can just say, well, forget this. I'm never going back. But then the next day I go, been out there five minutes, here comes eight deer. You just got to be patient. Or what uh, early hunters will learn is that you get there and you sit down and you say, all right, I'm ready. Ten minutes later, I ain't seen nothing. I think I'll move. Well, every time you move, you're just running them farther and farther off. And, uh, but you've got to sit still. And the scripture says, stand still. Yes. Moses tried to tell them at the Red Sea, be patient. God's fixing to do something. Stand still and see. But if you run, I'm running back to Pharaoh. You'll die. You'll be enslaved again. But you know, I'm just going to beg mercy to the enemy. But why? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So whatever you're doing right now, you're just like, man, this right now, this is probably the toughest time I've ever had in my life. Okay, be patient because God's going to come through. Have you prayed about it? So he, he told us to um, rejoice in hope, keep having hope, don't lose your hope, be patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Don't stop praying. Well, didn't he hear me the first time? Sure he did. And he heard you the second time. And if you've prayed 30 times, he's heard you 30 times. Keep praying. Men ought to always pray and not to faint. You don't stop praying. Well, if he didn't ask me after the first time, mm, wrong answer. That's not patience. And the thing is, is that what we've seen in these scriptures concerning patience is that they all deal with eternity. In your uh, patience, you possess your soul. He that shall come, will come, will not tarry. The, the uh, foolish and wise virgins waiting for the Lord. It was a parable about the coming of the Lord, being patient. And so we've, we don't know the day or the hour, so what do we need? 
We need patience. We need to be patient until the coming of the Lord. We are like a bride waiting for the groom. Psalms 37 and 7 said this, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Don't worry about uh, all those who are prospered in a way and uh, the man who brings wicked devices to the past. Well, the world just doing what they want to do. Seems like they're fine. The world's going to find out where they should have been. You and I can't be concerned with what the world's getting away with or what they think they're getting away with. That'll only cause us to fall. We've got to stay patient. Rest in the Lord. The Lord said himself, all you that are weary, come unto me, and you shall find rest for your soul. So rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I'm not saying it's always the easiest thing to do, but it can be done. And it reaps incredible benefit because patience will have her perfect work and you won't be lacking anything. You will have everything. You know what? That's like that uh, Psalm 23, I think. Maybe that's why he could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because a sheep, as long as he's waiting on that shepherd to lead him to still waters and lead him to green pastures and to get him through those valleys and tough places, he knows he don't need anything else but what that shepherd's got for him. His rod and staff comforts me, you know, all these things. So he, he realizes my best bet is to stay with the shepherd. Anytime a sheep gets impatient about uh, going to the next field, that's when he wanders off. And that's when the shepherd's got to go looking for him and trying to find him. Hopefully he finds him and gets to bring him back. That's where you see people who have uh, prodigals. Isn't that even the the story of the prodigal son? Impatient. Give me my inheritance now. Everything belongs to me, I want it now. But what are you going to do with it? I'm going to go out and waste it. When I wasted everything, didn't have nothing when he came home. Thank the Lord he made it home. But uh, when we have patience and we can wait, it's always going to work to our betterment for us and it's going to shine the right kind of light to this world, how we trust God because we are waiting on the Lord. Because this world, oh no. Well, people's always been talking about the Lord coming back. You know, you've been going through this a while and you've been praying. I don't see nothing changing. Why don't you quit? You'll get accused just like Job will. But you've got to say, no, I'm going to rest in the Lord and wait patiently on Him. I'm going to trust God. God's going to take care of me. Remember what Hebrews said, the ones that received the promise are the ones who have patience. That was Hebrews 10 and 36. So I want to make sure that I understand something. The Lord is coming back. Honey, you can come to the music this morning. And uh, the only way I'm going to see that on a good side is to have patience. Because the five foolish virgins realized the cry had went out. used to be an old song called The Midnight Cry. And, and um you know, they realized what had happened, but it was just too late. I don't want it to be too late. I want to have patience. So whether you've served the Lord for a day or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, guess what? He hadn't come back yet. That means we've got an unknown amount of time left. You've got to stay patient. 
I'm so ready. We, we'll say it. I'm, boy, I'm ready for the Lord to come. I'm ready for heaven. I'm ready to see those, that street of gold and see all the sights. The different, we, we, don't, we don't really know what it's going to be like. We read these descriptions in the, in the Bible, and, and I don't know. I know that, that the words can't really put it in, you know, to light what it will actually be like. But, you know, we, we're looking for we love we're, we're looking for the appearing of the one who saved us and, and you know so we're we're excited about that but you got to have patience you can't jump the gun you can't do well I, you, know, you can't build a, a tower to get there you just got to wait he's coming he that shall come will come that means he's coming Jesus said if it wasn't so I'd have told you he's coming let's have patience and be completely ready but it's time to go. Let's stand together this morning. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us with our patience. Precious Lord, we just love you and know that your word is true. I know that you're coming back to get a church one day, to get your bride. And Lord, I pray that we will have patience. Lord, that we will not cast away our confidence. Lord, you've touched us and blessed us. You washed us with your blood, filled us with your spirit. Lord, now we're the children of God. We're the church, the bride. And Lord, I don't want to walk away from, from this calling. I don't want to be found on the wrong side of the door when that call goes out. Lord, help us now as we go through things. I know that evil men and seducers will wax worse, but help us to not be deceived, not to turn left or right, but to stay on that straight and narrow, to be patient waiting for you to come again. We love you and we thank you. Bless us all today in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like a bride waiting for the groom. You know, sometimes people think that it's only the bride. I, I get it in our culture, you know, really. That, that bride, that's, that's her day. You know, it's, it's more about her to me, really. I mean, you see them when they're, well, you know, they're super dressed up. I mean, they're excited about it. They've been planning it, you know, since they were 12, and they, they're ready for that, that wedding. But I think sometimes we forget that the groom's excited, too. I'm telling you, I couldn't wait. On my wedding day, I don't know who was except for my sister and maybe one or two others was here at my wedding, but you know, usually they stuff the groom back in a hallway somewhere and said, just hang out here till it's time. I was out shaking people's hands, <laughs> introducing myself. I'm the groom. I'm getting married today. And, I mean, I, I did. I was greeting people at the door. I was the ushers up there waiting, people coming in. I, I'm greeting people, and finally I had to say, go, go. You got to go. It's going to start. Man, I couldn't wait to marry that girl. And, uh, and it, man, when she, that door flung open and there she was, and she was ready, and she was right there, and the music was playing, and, and this was it. Well, don't you think that when Jesus parts in clouds and he looks down and sees that bride ready? Because I know time ain't the same to him as it is to us. But it has been a time. And now it's all done. Everything I, I went through, everything I paid the price for, it's done. I'm going to get my bride and we're going to be together forever. 
But I'll tell you, uh, I, I'm going to stand with Jesus on that. I'm ex- I, I was excited. So uh, just think how excited the church, oh, we can't wait to go. He's not going to break the appointed time either. So he's waiting too. But if you don't think he's ready and he's excited, sure he is. But he knows that there's some things yet to be done. So let's stay patient and let's keep working in, the, in our patience. Let's keep serving the Lord. Let's stay closer. Let's keep oil in that lamp. Whatever it takes to keep that lamp burning, you keep it going because he's coming back one day. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. It's going to be a great day in Jesus' name. God bless you.